Yeah, well, that pizza could feed a family of four in Turkey or India or wherever the fuck he comes from. Oh, yeah? Oh. How'd you ship it there, man? Federal Express? Hmm? By the time it got there, it'd be way cold and coagulated. Total waste. Cheese be stuck to the cardboard. Buff, that slice is the difference between life and death for some half that Bangladeshi. Yo, you're getting me all upset here. You should get upset. Everyone should get upset. When, when Hitler was greasing the Jews, people were saying, don't get me upset, you're bumming me out. My duty as a human being to be pissed off. Jesus Christ, nothing makes a difference in the first fucking place. Nothing ever changes, man. 50 years from now, we're all gonna be dead, and there'll be new people standing here, drinking beer, eating pizza, bitching and moaning about the price of Oreos and they won't even know we were ever here and then 50 years after that those suckers will be dust and bones and there'll be all these generations of suckers trying to figure out what the fuck they're doing on this fucking planet and they'll all be full of shit. It's also fucking futile. If it's also fucking futile, what the fuck are you so fucking upset about, fuckhead? Because I'm alienated. to another episode of the Cinema 9 Podcast. I am Michael Govier. I am the co-host, along with Travis and Eric. We are here to talk about movies, and we are really looking forward to this experience. This is our 55th episode, by the way. Last week, we did a fun little jaunt called You Are Next. If you missed that one, it's available on this YouTube channel, and you can watch all of our old episodes on the YouTube channel, Cinema 9 Pod, or you can listen to them in podcast form on your favorite podcast platform. Travis Roy! What's the Hi. Word? Hello. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. Um, I'd like to come in correct right off the, off the bat because I realized uh, after last episode, I'd said something about like having a Xbox one, like fall into my lap. I didn't care about it. And you're like, oh, that's that's very spoiled of you, basically. And that's because I don't know the difference between plat like the, the, the systems. Which one's older than that? Whatever's older than that. That's what oh. fell into my lap that I didn't care. The 360. About. <laughs> Yeah, it may have, it may have even been whatever was before that. It wasn't. Just it wasn't. Yeah, it That's wasn't whatever. Yeah. Was, it wasn't whatever was like five hundred bucks that people were killing each other for last Christmas. It definitely <laughs> was not that shit. It was some. <laughs> it was the kind of shit that just kind of rots in a closet somewhere, and then it rotted in my closet somewhere. So I wanted to set the record straight on that. 
not some sort of, uh, you know, I'm not sitting around with a silver spoon up my ass or just hanging out with Xbox Ones, you know, all over the place. You're not it's a not, dilettante? Not to judge people that have them, but I mean, if I did have it, I would value it is all I'm saying. Yay! Well, that's fantastic, man. Thanks for the clarification. I know a lot of people are on pins and needles, and now I, we can it, move forward. It's important. The people need to know. They do. The people got to know the truth. <laughs> because he was a communist. Kevin Bacon is pissed. Remember Kevin Bacon and JFK, one of uh, Travis's oh, favorite shit, movies. Man. People no, got to start. know. People got to know why he was killed. Let's not talk <laughs> Oliver Stone already. How you doing, Eric? How's why not? The park? How'd you like to be the guy that had to apply that gold makeup on fucking uh, Tommy Lee Jones? Oh, his whole body. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. You know what, by the way, Eric? Last night I was watching a... uh, I just stumbled upon the best of the 90s where uh, Ebert and Martin Scorsese sat in for the dearly departed Gene Siskel. And uh, JFK was one of... I knew I was just thinking about Travis and how pissed he would be because JFK was one of Ebert's 10 best of the 90s. Not just that year, the 90s overall. Uh, it's a cast I, I, like that. I mean, good God. I mean, the, the movie was. It, I'm not going to sit here on this. I'm not going to talk about it again. I'm not going to sit here and talk <laughs> about it again. Fuck it. I'm not, doing it not, I'm not falling for that bait. Oh. Well, oh. Eric, how are you? Okay, buddy. How's it out there? Society treating you well? Well, I could describe society only as a world of human beings. Yeah. <laughs> world of new barricades. We were, yeah, we were, we were singing sponges before the show started. So, yeah, <laughs> I did not know did. a world of human wreckage is what that lyric is. I learned world two of years wreckage. ago. So. Unbelievable. Some emo oh, shit right there. Yeah, it's a good band. That's a clo- classic local Detroit band that makes good. They don't get enough respect. Everybody talks about Motown or Eminem or Kick. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. Like Motown versus the one hit, sponge. <laughs> one hit wonder. Sponge. Everyone talks about Motown. Sponge. Well, Rod- Rodding, P- Rodding Pinata was a nice follow-up. Come on. <laughs> that was the album that, that that song was on. Oh, man. Cloud is on, was, Ro- is on was, Rodding Pinata. Oh, I thought there was 16 Candles, whatever the fuck the first one was called. <laughs> oh, maybe I'm confused. They had yeah, more than confused. one album. Yeah, maybe I'm confused. Yo, you're right. It was called Rodding Pinata. I was thinking of Wax Ecstatic. Pardon me. Wax Ecstatic was the follow-up. <laughs> that's Jesus, all that, that, oh, <laughs> that song sucked. Yeah, that was not a good follow-up at all. That was the joke. So oh, You were right. In the 90s. I, I see partial. through you. I see through you. We're going to do it again. Let's just do it. Going to yeah! do it again. Love the stereo MCs. <laughs> so that's definitely a... 90s one-hit wonder, but yeah, let's just do it. Next, rest in peace. Speaking of one-hit wonders, uh, let's talk about the Oscars. The Oscars are coming up this Sunday, and nobody loves the Oscars more than you two guys. Very passionate Oscar fans. It's okay, and that's cool. But we thought we would go over some of the categories quickly with our own views and opinions. Uh, Travis, let's start with you. How would you like to lead this off here? Give me a give me a category and give me some thoughts. Well, um, let's go ahead and leap right into it with uh, best picture, man. I mean, let's just, you know, let's get that out of the way. Um, I have at this point seen, I think, all of the best picture nominations. Have you guys? I have not. Um, So just to remind folks listening, that is The Father, Judas and the Black Messiah, Mank, Minari, Nomadland, Promising Young Woman, Sound of Metal, and the trial of the Chicago seven. These are, these are the ones that have been nominated uh, to win. And uh, for my money, if uh, of these, I mean, do you guys, I mean, like I, I have what I think is going to win, 
which I think I think it's going to be Nomadland that's going to win. Yeah, but give um, what you want to win. I, I wish that Swallow had been nominated and would win. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm sticking to it. Um, Carlo Mirabello Davis's Swallow that I talked about last uh, last episode. That I think it's the best the best picture of the year. Uh, not the best animated feature, not the best documentary, but uh, I, I think that Swallow is the best movie I've seen from last year. Wow. Okay. Uh, that is powerful. Eric, uh, do you have a prediction? Or, and do you have one that you want to throw in there that should have been nominated? Should win Nomadland. Will win Nomadland for best picture, my friends. All right. Oh, wow. I really got to see that one. I want to see it. It's on Hulu. Hulu. It's on Hulu. Hulu. I think, I think I have a Hulu. Yeah, I got it's a Hulu. Is, is, is this Jewish? Is this Jewish? Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I mean, Welcome to Is This Jewish? The I never heard the word. I never heard the word Hulu before they used it. So I don't even know where that uh, word comes from. I Hulu, feel like they made it up. I think they made it up. Yeah, is this yeah, Jewish? Sounds Michael made Bobian. up. Uh, all right. So yeah, I think. Uh, the one, I haven't seen all of them. I saw The Sound of Metal, which uh, I loved a lot. Oh, man. Obviously. Love so and, good. and since I saw Sound of Metal, Trial of Chicago 7, those are the only oh, two I've man. seen of all those. I'd Fantastic. rather... That's all you've yeah. seen? Yeah, I know. I, I, a lot of these I haven't seen. I, see, I went. The Judas and Black Messiah. You didn't see Promising Young Woman. You didn't see Midnight. Come on, Michael. I most of this stuff is streaming for free yeah. in most places now, too. Oh, shit. A right, lot well, of it is. do a better job of that. Well, uh, not, like, not like you have a movie podcast or anything. No, hey, no. Father, <laughs> I failed you. You know, I uh, like to watch old videos about old movies, you know, from the 80s. And I watched uh, Cinema Sins do Superman 3 the other day. That was awesome. <laughs> okay. uh, but I got to say, I think I'll take Trial of Chicago 7 as a better overall movie than Sound <sighs> of Metal. Even though I love some of the performances in Sound of Metal, I'm going to take the overall film by a nose. But I, I assume that Nomadland's going to win because you guys know better than I do. Uh, if I had to throw a curveball out there, I just I guess I don't have one for this past year. I thought it was a pretty bogus year for film. I really did. And I'm going to stand behind that. If something comes up, I'll change my mind. But right now, I'm going to go with the people who think they know best. Well, I think I think <laughs> Minari or the father could sneak in. Um, oh, I think I think I think that the I think the Minari, the father and Nomadland are probably the biggest contenders, in my opinion. What were the uh, okay? Real quickly with actor and actress, what you guys got predictions or somebody who should have been nominated, Travis? Um, well, you know, in in the best actress uh, category, I got to stick with Haley Bennett from Swallow again. I, I really wish that she'd been nominated for it. And I'm not you like I'm not really that familiar with her work outside of it. I've uh, outside of that movie, I've seen a, a couple of them of her movies, but and I'm, so I wouldn't ordinarily be all for a, a performance from someone that I was not that familiar with, but. I've never seen a character that I so badly wanted to reach through the screen and hug. Um, so I think that uh, I'm going to stick to that. The other um, nominees, um, I'm looking it up. Eric, do you do you have some that you Va are yeah. eyeing? Actress in a leading role, Eric. You know, I did not see pieces of uh, a woman. It looked way too depressing. I could not go there. Or... Uh, and I never finished Billy Holiday because it was not good, and I turned it off. But oh. you know, you know, I'm I'm pulling for Francis McDormand. I love Carrie Mulligan and Promising Young Woman, but I just Francis McDormand is transcendent in that picture. Okay. Yeah, I, I haven't done Pieces of a Woman either. I don't think I'm going to. Um, to be honest, so heavy. And uh, Shia LaBeouf can go fuck himself. I'm that's the, yeah. Film. 
uh, yeah, admitted dog killer Shia LaBeouf. Yeah, that, that, that was it. Last draw. That was it. Last draw. He killed the dog for the movie. He for tax collector. He went around murdering stray oh. dogs to get yeah. into character. Um, he said he told. Well, that's what he, I mean. I think it's been yeah, back and forth, but admitted. it sounds. Yeah. He admitted it, right? He pretty anyway, much admitted it. He pretty so, much I admitted mean, it, and then went back and went, "Oh, people didn't like that," and, but like he admitted it. Yeah. Uh, anyways, um, yeah, I, I, I would say either Francis McDormand for No Man Land, but Vi- Viola Davis's uh, transformation into Ma Rainey, uh, I wouldn't mind seeing that win either. Both of those performances were really, really strong. Damn. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. How about? Mm, you know, Ma Rainey was. I don't think it was that great of a movie. Her performance is great, though. That's that's how I stand too. I, I I was not a huge fan of the movie, but her and Bozeman's performances were both fantastic. Yep, I agree. Makeup Oscar could be in line, but I I, I wasn't that big on even Viola Davis in it. Wasn't she like drink coke and was like a bitch? I'm sorry, I didn't oh, care for her in the movie. A, she was what? a hardcore singer. <laughs> she was she had a lot of attitude. She was a she classic was diva. Classic diva. If you don't like right. divas, you're probably not gonna like her character. She was rude. It's true. Best actor. Uh, you know, I I, I really I, like Minari. I, I I dug it the hell out of it. Stephen Wynn slipping in for a best actor nomination. I why why? I'm gonna, I'm inclined to agree with you. Uh, I I didn't really feel like he was. I mean, he was good in it. He was good. Yeah, in but it. Um, the woman that played the grandma. Um, no, she I needs to win. I, I hope that she wins. Um, I, I'm looking, trying to look at her name. I, I, I have this in front of me, but I guess I don't have this in front of me. Um, but yeah, I, I think that's yeah, uh, Ya Young Yoon. I I would like to see her win. Um, you know, I really, you and I, Eric, have been fans of Will Patton since the 90s. I wish he'd yeah. been nominated for a Best Supporting Actor. This is probably the best thing I've seen Will Patton do in a really, really long time. Right, since Armageddon. Prophecies. Inventing the habits. <laughs> I mean, he, you know, he had a pretty strong run there around the area you're talking, Mike, and, and he just kind of fell off. But uh, he was so good in this. It was like, oof. Um, yeah. Wow. Okay. Well. We'll see how it all plays out Sunday night live. You guys got you got your popcorn ready? What are you gonna do? You sit down. <laughs> you get a nice little tray of trash. Uh, I haven't figured out my snacks yet. I have watched all the documentaries at this point, which I, I know I started this podcast. Wow. About, well, I didn't really watch documentaries, but I just finished the mole agent right before we started the show. And Eric, I'm inclined to agree with you. It's a little too cinematic. Yeah. Um, like it's it, it kind of feels. I mean, like it was good, but it felt like like a movie in a way that made it you know like a like almost like a reality television kind of thing. It just yeah. felt c- contrived, yeah. you know? Um, but, uh, and, and I, and I, had t- and I would talk to you guys earlier in the week about collective and how impressed I was by that. But like halfway through, it does like this hard turn into like partisan Romanian politics. And I don't know, like yeah. part is like the Romanian party. So like it got really like, and I'm like, I, I don't have a dog in this fight. I don't really know exactly. You know, obviously there's like clear corruption taking place, but it gets like so partisan that I'm like, I, I don't really know that I can feel qualified to have an opinion on what I'm watching. Um, but man, Crip, Crip camp was, was fantastic. I'm still, I'm still hoping my octopus teacher wins. You know, it's uh, going to win. Come on. Uh, I actually, I think, I think that Crip camp is more likely to win. Oh shit. All right, well, it was fantastic. I mean, Crip Camp was it was incredible. I I wish kind of that they'd done a little bit better job marketing it because like if I had understood the scope of this movie, have you seen it, Mike? No, it just makes me think of Mike Kripke's basement from Terminator Three. Sorry, <laughs> the 
That's all they talk about in Terminator 3. Remember Mike Kripke's basement? Mike Kripke's yeah. basement, yeah. yeah. So stupid. Sarah anyway, Brewster. Anyway. Sarah Brewster. Well, it has, it has, <laughs> has fucking fuck all to do with that. <laughs> yeah. It, uh, but what it is about is, I mean, it's about civil rights. It's about disabled civil rights, which, uh, you know, not a topic that you really see very often. And it's uh, explored very well. And it's extremely immersive. And um, I really thought Crip Camp was fantastic. So I, I'm, I'm still hoping that my octopus teacher wins. But if Crip Camp wins, I would also be pleased. Oh. You know, I always, uh, I traditionally now make a delicious mushroom lasagna for my guests on my Oscar party. So I'm looking forward to whipping that up. I'm also going to be silently uh, applauding the uh, forgotten performance from Paul Bettany and Uncle Frank. And of course, Ben Affleck in The Way Back. I think they both should have been nominated. But other than that, I'm pretty happy with the, the nominations this year. So I, I've got nothing but, uh, you know, upbeat thoughts. I'll be happy if, if, if you know, with whatever this year. Okay, mushroom Lance, lasagna sounds all Lance Henriksen, really good. Lance Henriksen for falling. I wouldn't have mind seeing uh, Nam for that also. And we've already nice. talked on, on this film on about how robbed uh, um, Delroy Lindo was for *The Five Bloods*. But while we're while oh, we're having yeah. the actual Oscar conversation, we should mention it one last time. That's everywhere on the internet too. So that's yeah. never going to change, though. They will never change oh. the nominees because the yeah, show is going live Sunday. And by the way, directed by Steven Soderbergh. Yeah. See what happens. Interesting. That actually makes me more interested to watch it, believe it or not. I will wa I will watch it a little bit more just because I want to see. He says he's going to do some new and different things, and I'm curious because I do believe he is a forward-thinking guy, and he won't half-ass it. So I'm curious what that'll mean. Yeah, they, they probably wouldn't have gotten him if they weren't going to let him do some stuff. Right. They're desperate. They need. I mean, <laughs> it's not their fault. Award shows are just lame anyways. Nobody cares anymore. It's. I, just, I think it's a thing of generations past i know people still watch the oscars but the numbers are way down but they're down for everything the grammys all these types of award shows are they're kind of a relic and i don't care that they exist like go ahead if you love them go to town but they're kind of they're never gonna be the way they were when they were like appointment television for the mass mainstream world because of so many different options well, I mean, I think it's about the 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 academy and the voters. You you see a lot of nominees these days that never would have gotten in there, especially from some uh, you know, black artists, Asian artists that were never recognized back in the day that are now starting to get attention. And I think that's going to bring in a lot of new audiences, so maybe we can breathe some life into this whole goddamn thing. Yeah, I think that's a major problem is that uh people have came came to see him as too politicized slash rigged um, Buddy you know, Duddy. yeah like yeah you know, older and, and that kind of stuff i mean I all you know things ebb and flow if if it if it, if it kind of falls into this <laughs> you know into like people not really listening to it for a while or watching it for a while then it'll come back ebb and flow <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I, I just watched you like struggle with it the moment i knew what you were gonna do too i didn't even, i know i'm like he he heard even flow and i'm just watching <laughs> the moment the words came out of my face i'm watching your face contort and you just struggle not to be like even flow. I, I waited i waited till you finished mike speaking his basement mike <laughs> Shout out Steve Guile, Mike Kripke's basement. We used to say that all the time. It's such a terrible term. We thought Terminator 3 was bad, and then they kept going. So actually, it's not even as bad. It could get a lot worse, and it did. All right. I like Dark Fate. I think catch it. Okay. Oscars. This Sunday, enjoy yourselves. We hope you're all there. And, you know, you can 
tag our show. You can tag a Cinema Nine Pod on Twitter or on Facebook in real time, talking about them as they happen. I'm sure maybe one of you guys will be online, like popping in with commentary along the way, and uh, you can engage with. You know, that's a good way to make the show a thing where people connect with us. So oh, maybe hey, you'll do go that. Go ahead, Mike. You should do that. Well, I think <laughs> you're going to be watching it. Uh, They're know. live, Mike, so you can't fast forward them. Ah, uh, you think. See, if I start a half hour late, then I, oh, know, there's always a way. So, Anyways, uh, Cinema and iPod, today we're going to be focusing on the main event shortly, which is called Suburbia. So, capital U. <laughs> I'm still not clear on the capital U, but we'll get I to that. I believe it's I pronounced Suburbia. Suburbia. Oh, okay. Yeah, oh, you. A, like you are, you're sub-yerbia, so self-involved. Suburbia. Yeah. Suburbia. <laughs> okay. Is that the Missy Elliott song? <laughs> I never know what she was saying on that song. Yeah. Flip it up, down, and reverse it. But oh. I will uh, be Ooh. making my choice at the He's end of this roll. episode for next week's uh, movie, which I, I actually... I have a lot of choices, but I haven't narrowed it down again. I'm starting to struggle recently with my choices. And then the week after that, we're going to have Steve Polo on. Hey. He's going to be our next guest. And the film he has chosen is been decided upon. So we can announce it at the end of the show, or we can wait till the end of next week. But I do know what it is. And I don't want to keep you guys in the dark forever, but it's up to you. You guys let me know. In the meantime, Travis Roy. Quarantine viewing picks. Oh my Life God. goes on. You guys, I've watched so many fucking movies. It's embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> Stupid. I'm like, I'm like back into like, uh, I'm, I've been on vacation sort of like, ha- but like, so, you know, like half vacation. I'm like, I'm like working like a, like a third of the amount of time that I ordinarily would work. So like, I, so it's not like I could go anywhere. Well, not that I would anyways, I guess it's, you know, where could I go? But so I've just been watching fucking movies and it's like early days of, of, of COVID again. So, um, yeah, uh, Eric, I, I watched a couple of your recommendations. I checked out Killer okay. Legends, which was uh, which was good. Okay. I liked I liked Krawczyk better, but it was a it was a good follow up. Good, was, good fun stories. Yeah, and it, it was a, a logical follow up to that. And I, and I checked out Thief, and dude, I told you you shouldn't have fucking compared oh, it to Heat. Oh come on! All, all I did the whole time was be like, oh, <sighs> this is this is like a rough draft of Heat. Oh, I kept this, my fucking this, mouth shut. This feels like this feels like Heat light. I mean, that's all I could think the whole time. Is it just it's just it was just like it felt like like a, you know like an overtone towards Heat. Like you know, I can see Heat coming down the line. Like this is a rough draft of a future masterwork. Um, so it was good. You know, it was good. <laughs> Um, but he overhyped. I'm so glad you watched it. Thank you for doing that. I mean, you know, I'm guilty of overhyping shit all the time too. You guys are gonna watch Swallow and be like, "All right," but <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, Mike, I, I know you want to watch a movie where uh, Diane Keaton and a recent movie where <laughs> oh, Diane Keaton you. falls in love and cries in bed. Well, that movie's, oh, called, the movie's called Hampstead. You can check it out from 2019. Her and Brendan Gleeson. <laughs> Oh my God. Yeah, I watched it. Dude, am I going to watch a Diane Keaton romantic comedy? Fuck yeah. Any any Diane Keaton romantic comedy. I'm going to watch it. In fact, Obviously. any Diane Keaton movie, period. I'm going to watch wow. it. Who am I kidding? She Who should do a I scary kidding? movie. That'd be cool if she did a scary movie. <laughs> that would be awesome. Because... She would be terrible at it, though. She, she, she would just she, she would imagine her acting scared. Like <laughs> <laughs> she would just. This isn't real. This, I'm not buying uh, this. Yeah, exactly. I can't. Yeah, I don't think she's made, she's made for like one specific genre, and she kills it in that. She genre. does. I'm with you, <laughs> yeah. dude. I was just flipping through Amazon, and the poster for "Because I Said So," starring her and Jennifer Lopez. She's just like got like the whole deal with the glasses, Ooh, and she's nah. like. Got that look on her face. She's pointing at J Lo. 
Jesus. <laughs> I, I, I have to admit, I have skipped that one. When I say any Diane Keaton movie, and I don't know what it is about her movies that they always have the most generic fucking titles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like non sequiturs or something. Yeah, they're always Baby like, Boom. Baby Boom was a unique one. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's some, but, you know, there's often not. Uh, anyway, so I I, uh, I wrapped up a couple of franchises I had been delicately working my way through over the past year. I finally watched the last Star Trek movie that I had never seen, which was Star Trek V, The Final Frontier. Uh, okay. I, it, um, you know, and as I'm watching the first hour, I'm like, everyone maligns this movie. Like, this is like everyone gives this movie such shit. I don't get it. This is enjoyable shit. And, and, it, and it was that first hour, hour and 20 and then it went off the rails really fucking bad. Um, and everybody who's seen it knows what I'm talking about. Um, mm-hmm. I watched finally the last Friday the 13th movie, which was the reboot <laughs> from 2009. And I'm so pissed because oh. because Steve Miner did the two best Friday the 13th movies. He did he did two and he did three, and those are the best ones, in my opinion. And he came back, and I don't know what the fuck. Did you watch the reboot, Eric? I liked it. Oh, I thought it was such trash. I thought it was I thought it was one of the worst, if not the worst, in the series. I I thought it was just like here's a greedy remake, like all, just like none of the fun, just like all the fun zapped out of it, just like torch torture porn. Like uh, it looked like every other fucking you know Rob Zombie kind of bullshit. I don't know. I thought it was trash. Um, uh, I went back and watched caravan of courage the ewok adventure I <laughs> <laughs> hadn't watched that since i was six um yeah it was a movie you know i watched it <laughs> Wilford Brimley in that <laughs> yeah that was, he's in the second one okay. which i'd see, seen that one so many times as a kid i didn't need to go back but this one i'd only seen like once uh, i watched space jam because fuck it I'm gonna watch all the you movies that are I'm gonna watch right. I'm gonna watch all the movies that are culturally relevant that I had ever seen. So fuck it. I you know I put it on on a night where I didn't care what was on. Just kind of Bill Murray's in the it. Background. Bill Murray's quite active in it and uh, and was and was good. You know he was good. Watched a couple not so great Nick Cage movies. Uh, <laughs> Drive Angry. I don't know if you guys have seen Drive Angry. Like I mean, so I watched that and I watched. Um, uh, the new Willy's Wonderland, which was okay, but was really oh. similar to a couple other movies, like so similar to that banana whatever movie that came out like last year. That was like ridiculous. It was just the same fucking movie, just with Nick Cage in it. Hmm. Um, but yeah. uh, you know, Drive Angry was so bad and but so funny. It's from, <laughs> from two thousand eleven, I think. So it's like when people probably would have still seen this shit in theaters. But like, I don't know if you guys know the premise, but like Nick Cage dies and escapes from a CG <laughs> hell. <laughs> He breaks out of CG hell like a la bad out of uh, you know bad out of hell to the point that the movie definitely uses meatloaf, but they couldn't get the rights to that song. Um, and like uh, it's just like he it's just oh man, it's just it's so fucking bad. It's just a classic him stomping through killing people kind of stuff, but it's like it's one of the worst of the but it's at the same time, it's also like so over the top. If you want, like it might be the the quintessential uh Nick Cage movie. Um, but last but not least, it might I give you a lot of shit for uh, rewatching movies and and that kind of thing, but I rewatched at your at your suggestion sort of last week. I sat down and watched "I Love You, Man" again for maybe the fourth or fifth time, but it had been a while. I fucking laughed my ass off through the whole thing, like it was brand new, like I'd never seen it before. I just laughed my fucking ass off. I, I think that movie's so fun and so good. If you've seen it, but it's been a while, I do recommend revisiting mm-hmm. it. And what a great premise for a movie, just about two people becoming friends, like. That's so awesome. Like, what a great premise for a movie. It was so due. I, 
literally had friends like that that were the girlfriend guy. And that movie has not been done enough. Those people have existed. I don't think it... Maybe it is a generational thing, more recent to our generation, but they're everywhere. There should have been more than one movie about it, quite honestly. It seems like a genre that could have been done. (laughs) And they did a great job with it because they got the girlfriend guy and they got got the guy who's got like the group of buddies, but then his group of buddies is like they're getting older and they're having kids and careers and stuff. So like it makes... Right, it makes sense for them to like actually like need each other and like be receptive. Which that's part of the moral of the story of the movie is if you want friends in your life, you got to be receptive to that. Hmm. What was you- the shitty Lord of the Rings ripoff you were talking about uh, via text, Travis? Oh, uh, the shitty Lord of the Rings ripoff that I watched. What was that? Um, <laughs> he watched a lot of movies. He's going to think. Black watched- that out. I watched so many. Are you sure it was uh, not from last week, or was it was it this week? Uh, a few days ago, you went to that cloud nine. But oh no, it was it was the Ewok Adventure. It was Ewok Adventure. Uh, yeah, because okay. I mean, like, I don't know if you guys have watched the Ewok Adventure lately, no. but basically, it's like George Lucas was like, clearly, it was at a time when George Lucas was able to say to himself and convince himself, no one's even reading these Lord of the Rings books anymore. <laughs> Nobody knows this stuff. Like, I could just steal all of this shit i mean you've got the big spider you've got the fellowship you've got the gifts being given i mean like it's just like, <laughs> it's just like thing after thing after thing. it's just fucking fellowship it's just it's it's fucking lord of the rings just in and, and and willow is is in a lot of ways heavily influenced as well but this is like willow. even more even more blatant willow off good Kaya, the baby Kaya, the baby <laughs> All right. Uh, Come on, man. Ah. All right. Uh, Eric, what have you been watching? I know you've probably filled a lot of your time with movies because you're a busy guy, but you're on break yourself. Dude, I've been and I've been horrifically ill. The whole family is sick with the flu, so I've been watching oh, shitload of movies. You, so, know what Christ. Me, you know what that made me think of real quick? When you said that last week, it took me back to 2003, the Super Bowl nightmare where you poisoned <laughs> all of us. And we were all dead in the dump. Me, Liberty, Luke, everybody. all just laying there puking nonstop. It was it awful. Was, I mean, it was everybody from. It was like a. It was like a twenty-person <laughs> friend group. But it was. <laughs> it was, so, it was so bad. We're yeah. sharing those fucking yeah. car bomb shooters. I, it, I knew it, that's it, what it was. <laughs> Remember, like the footage from the Heaven's Day Heaven's Gate cult when they're all like dead wearing the Nikes? That's what like <laughs> that apartment looked like the next morning. Everyone just like fucking laying around dead. You know what oh, I. Oh. I had to kick myself because I'm scrolling through Amazon Prime. Bullets Over Broadway comes up. I fucking used to love this movie. John Cusack, Diane Weiss. And then I remembered my Uh-oh. pact to never again watch another Woody Allen movie. So I was really at the crossroads. Like, <laughs> do I just say fuck it and jump in? You know, you can't. You got to separate the art from the artist. I, I, I didn't end up doing it. But this is going to be a struggle, man, because there's so many, so many good titles and they're all available to stream on the very network HBO that put on this lambasting documentary. So I'm I'm a really uh, I don't know what to do. So I might seek your counsel pretty soon because there's even more Woody Allen movies I want to rewatch. Uh, but I didn't watch it. So, OK, I've never seen this movie before. I finally sat down and watched it. I, I could not believe what the fuck I was watching. Uh, Tango and Cash. Have you guys seen this movie? Yeah, when it was new. Yeah, but yeah. When's the last time you saw this? Oh, I saw. Last time I saw it was like '86 or '88 or whatever the fuck it came out. Like, it came out. Yeah, like late '80s, '88, '89, and I think I saw it in like '96 when we made fun of it oh one day. That God. was about it. That was about it. It it is the it it is so fucking stupid. It is so dumb. Like. 
uh, like five minutes in they cut to like jack palance like in his limo he's like the big crime boss and he's like bitching about like these two like famous cops that keep fucking him over he's like and if it's not tango it's cash he's like getting all fired up about these cops that keep like fucking him over it's one of the dumbest movies i've ever seen in my life and worst score in his in film history by far you, no, you need to uh, see yeah, jujitsu. I'm telling you, see jujitsu. Is that right? Yeah, we're scoring. Cash is so stupid. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, it's horrible. So I think it was highly hyped, by the way. Tango and Cash. The promos were everywhere. Very, very marketed. Horrible in it. it. It sucks. Uh, I, I, I spent a long time since I watched Beverly Hills Cop, so I ended up watching that. Uh, it's fun, and I, I put on Beverly Hills Cop Two, the Tony Scott sequel, and. I had to laugh out loud because in the very opening, this is when like Eddie Murphy is like in the pinnacle of his career. He's like, God, he's like glistening. Uh, it, like the first credit in Beverly Hills Cop 2 is Eddie Murphy Productions presents like Beverly Hills Cop 2. He's not even a producer on the film. Like he just like demanded this title card to be on there. And the, the movie is awful, but the original is still so much fun. The soundtrack's incredible. Um, yeah, so that that held up for me. I watched a documentary called Everybody's Street. It's about New York street photographers. I really enjoyed it. Uh, I, I, I really dug it. It, it, it gave this well-rounded idea of this subgenre of photography that's getting more and more complicated because of digital technology and, and social influence. So it's kind of dying. But if you're into photography, watch everybody's street, uh, Amazon prime. Uh, so two big recommendations. Uh, the first one is Sasquatch. This is a three part like documentary on Hulu from Mark and Jay Duplass. Uh, the premise is bonkers. Oh, I didn't know it was them behind it. I, I was already eyeing this. It's good, but I, I mean, it like, looked good, but I didn't realize it was them. That's intriguing. Yeah. Me even more. Yeah, so check it out, because I enjoyed the hell out of it. Uh, it examines this Northern California urban legend that Bigfoot was responsible for the murder of these three like immigrant laborers. So they examine this, and this investigative journalist tries to figure out if there's any truth behind it. And meanwhile, it talks about the war on drugs, because the conflict supposedly took place between like uh, these weed growers or farmers as the film of course calls them uh and it, it's well it, it's really good and just long enough to so you're not getting bored but i definitely recommend sasquatch on Hulu. sounds like it fit right into the cropsy and killer legend stuff we've been talking about travis take a look at it because I, I think this would fit perfectly to cap that trilogy that you're into right now I will. um big recommendation for me was uh the hero from 2017 i've been eyeballing it forever sam elliott stars he's like this burnt out actor who gets a new lease on life when he meets uh, Laura Prepon and they start a relationship. Nick Offerman, Kristen Ritter, great supporting roles. I love this movie. I it, No one talked about it a few years ago, but it's clearly the great Sam Elliott's best performance. Beautiful, quiet storytelling tells you that there's still tremendous roles for actors that are even in their early 70s. Beautiful storytelling. I loved it. Hmm. I haven't heard of it. Gorgeous. Very lovely. That's cool. Is that it? I tried to watch The Golden Child because I've been on this Eddie Murphy kick. What the mm. fuck is going on with this movie? Like, how I did this get greenlit? Is it no good? I loved it when I was a kid. I've, I've not gone Turned back. Off. Oh, really? I loved it so much when I was a kid, but I couldn't eat oatmeal for a long time after it, though. <gasps> I don't know. The, the, the blood and the oatmeal, maybe that? I was like, oh, yeah. Bloody oatmeal. Yeah, I'm not going to eat oh, bloody oatmeal. Weird. Oh, God. <laughs> 
Well, what about you, Mike? Mike? Watch any movies? Well, uh, I'm Help. back. Uh, I'm back on the right track, you know. Travis, you called me out, so I decided to watch nothing but new movies. Nothing. Here, yeah, okay. here I'm right. praising you for watching. You know, for recommending that I watch stuff that I had already seen. But right. I'm glad that I'm glad all you dug these. into some new some some new stuff for you. Let's hear it. So all of these are new to me. All of them, I, I believe. I'll double check that. But uh, I started off with the perfect storm. I never saw the perfect okay. storm. All right. And you know, I already know the gist. <laughs> Because of reality, history, <laughs> and the Superstorm in 91. Uh, I remember talking about that in a meteorology class in 2006 at Washtenaw Community College, a fine community college, one of the best community colleges there's ever been. Uh, but uh, Andrea Gale. Yeah. It's probably more interesting than this movie. It's kind of lame. Like, there's you. they did incredible tactical stuff with all the water and uh, really trying to make you feel like they're in a storm. It really looks great. Wolfgang Peterson is a, act, he's a director I've always liked. You know, never any story, fame, other films, and uh, this ends up just kind of being like, uh, I'm a little disappointed because there's so many actors I like in this movie, but it's kind of like great scenes, but blase overall. But, I think that was the relative feeling when it came out, wasn't it? I mean, I, f- I feel like it had like, I don't think people were that into it when it came out. I was bored in theaters, but I, I watch it all the time. I, I think it's fun as hell. Like the first hour where they're just like fucking around on the boat, getting into fights, like landing on like dead fish. I don't know. I dig the movie. It's amazing. They didn't use a single dead fish in that movie. It looks so real. It really does. I was impressed. I was impressed. All right. I was. No dead fish. Um, yeah, but overall, I don't know. Not, they spent too much time on like the, uh, hey, look at this. John C. Riley's got a kid and he's divorced. It's tough. They spent too much time trying to set up like their, their, the people that cared about them before they leave. Like, just go out there and let's fucking get into it. You know, maybe that would have been better. <laughs> Fast forward to the family shit, right, Mike? Yeah, <laughs> I actually didn't. I actually started fast forwarding through the fucking storm shit. Like, what is? <laughs> like, what is? Because I'm you, like, you sat down to watch a movie called The Perfect Storm yep. and started fast forwarding shit? through the storm. Said out, said out loud. At a, what is at a certain shit? point. Yeah, at a certain point. I mean, like, what's this? What's this side quest with the fucking? You know the. Uh, the these Air Force people trying to yeah. like save the the fucking guy from Shawshank yeah. Redemption. I mean, what the fuck is all that? Oh, that, that oh I forgot about that. Who gives a fuck about that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. that that was just like too much. Why? Why? So. Save the warden. Warden. Uh, I watched uh, the preacher's wife. God, this movie is boring as fuck. <laughs> so boring. <laughs> so boring. This is not for me. This is for like a family around Christmas time. It's definitely. I am not the target. So when you sat down and said, I'm going to watch movies I've never seen before, would you just like throw a dart at a fucking wall? Or like- <laughs> uh, well, I had The Preacher's Wife. Yep. I had it a while ago, and I never watched it. So I finally watched all these other movies. It was like one of the last ones that I watched in this coming week or this past week. Uh, I watched Paper Man. You guys ever heard of Paper Man? Jeff Paper- Daniels? Paper Men or Man? Uh, man. Ryan Reynolds plays like uh, Jeff Daniels imaginary super he's called captain excellent but he's an imaginary friend to jeff daniels and it's got lisa kudrow emma stone like there's a lot of people in this movie it's from 2009 it's weird it it wasn't it wasn't bad it was all right it was a also like a sundance like production like it said at the end of the movie done with the assistance of the sundance project so 
Uh, I would recommend it. Jeff Daniels is the lead, and him and Lisa Kudrow and Emma Stone and Ryan Reynolds. Those are four actors I like watching. So. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but, it, but it's like decent. It's not amazing. Won't blow your mind. Uh, I watched my boyfriend's back, directed by Bob <laughs> Balaban. I never seen this. In I believe it. A, man. I think it's the only movie he's directed. I Jesus. think. Yeah. God damn it! This movie is just wild. Back. It's so like serial mom, like this black comedy. Uh, yeah, everyone's in on the joke, but they're just pushing the deadpan loot, like insanity in this movie. It's fantastic. I, I kind of enjoyed it, and it had like, the uh, guy who looked like the guy from last week's. That's why I ended up watching it because it had that guy who looked like the, one of the main characters from Your Next. The guy I said that looked like the guy who failed French in school ties. He's the lead role in this as the guy who <laughs> dies and comes back as the boyfriend. So. <laughs> Watch uh, Bob Balaban directed another 80s horror movie called Parents. It's fucking bonkers. You, you might like it. Randy Quaid and like I think Mary uh, Mary Beth Hurt are like these fucked up parents that are like killers. You might like it if you enjoyed that one. Mike. Huh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I, didn't know. I thought that he'd only had like the uh, the one or two. That's it. Well, yeah. Well, this was his last because oh, this was in 93. So if that was prior, he probably um, yeah, got his first shot. And then... He's directed a lot more than I, than I realized. But um, movie like mainstream yeah. movies? Well, he's directed a lot of TV episodes and a few TV movies. But yeah, as far as actual movies, not as many. You know, one, uh, two, three, <laughs> four. That's, wow, that's not a lot. Bob Balaban. If you guys should know who Bob Balaban is. If you don't, if he's not coming to mind, he's the guy who he was in Seinfeld. He plays like the head just, of NBC. Just uh, imagine. Imagine a white guy shows up in a movie. He's bald and small with glasses, probably has a clipboard. You're probably thinking of, of Bob Alabama. <laughs> He's yeah. in a bunch of the Christopher Guest mockumentaries, yeah. too. Russell so. Dalrymple. <laughs> Russell Dalrymple, yeah. Uh, so that was actually fun. It, and uh, it was good to see something different like that. I, I was surprised because I didn't know what it was. I saw When a Man Loves a Woman. <laughs> I'd never seen this. Now, the He's premise of this. Mike. When a man loves a woman, it sounds like a hardcore romance. I didn't know anything else about this movie. It's about alcoholism, right? Yeah, but yeah. It's, it's called When a Man Loves a Woman, and they start the movie with the song of every, of course. So it sets this tone of like it's a classic move. You just, you just grab some song title and throw it on there. And people are like, oh, I like that song. We talked about yes. that with uh, Devil in a Blue Dress. There's no connection yeah. to the movie hardly at all, yeah. but like, yeah, it's, just, it's like branding. Yeah, it was there amazing. It this is actually a really well done film, and Meg Ryan uh, deserves credit. It is about alcoholism, as Travis mentioned. It's from 1994, so you might think it'd be played, but it was pretty. Uh, it was pretty relevant. It was actually forward thinking. It didn't have like simple answers. I was really kind of uh, impressed by it. So I would strongly recommend this film, especially if you're like into movies about people struggling with addiction or how these impact families. And, I mean, it's not a it's not a comedy. It's they do. Andy Garcia tries to make a lot of laughs because his character gets uncomfortable. That's how his character is. But it's a really well done film, and I want to give that movie credit. It deserves to be seen by more people because I Dude, never I'm gonna, heard of it. I'm gonna like make a really shitty movie and just call it Unchained Melody and watch the millions just flow in. <laughs> <laughs> well now you got to update that you got to make the now for like the next generation you got to make like a uh backstreet boys what was that one song you know i want it that way call it i want it that way I, I want and it just that buy way. the rights to the song and just let the yep. money flow in yeah. <laughs> <laughs> too bad because i've already got a, a movie that i've written called burger manifesto part one but oh shit <laughs> 
Fucking wow. Burger Manifesto. So Burger the point Manifesto. Watch, All right, sorry. So there's actually a link between some of these movies I watched. When a Man Loves a Woman. Um, Do tell. The next one, The Savages. 2007 film with Laura Linney and PSH. Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yep. yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, so PSH is in When a Man Loves a Woman. He plays a very small part as an addicted guy in rehab. And he's also in uh, Bob Balaban's movie where he plays the bozo... Like high school dipshit. He's like, he plays like a country moron. He's like, I'll kill you, man. It's so weird to see him. It's like right after Son of a Woman in 92. This was uh, in 93. I need to go back and watch that. I forgot right? that he yeah. was in that. That's, that's why I went back. I just started. I was like, what? I want to make sure I've seen every PSH movie. And that's right. why I started doing all this. So, yeah. He also, in uh, the, the Savages, he's, I'd forgot about that movie. It was really well done. I'd probably recommend The Savages. Him and Laura Linney talking about dealing with their father who has dementia. And it's actually funny at times, but it's also serious. And their banter back and forth. Really well done. I I admired the effort. So uh, I think that's pretty much it for this week. Uh, I still have to watch Flawless, which is a Philip Seymour Hoffman movie I've never seen. So I'm going to watch that oh, and I'll report on that. Is there yeah, any Robert other, De Niro. Is there any What's other that? ones? Of, is there any other ones of his that you haven't seen? Uh, I think that's pretty much it. Uh, I went through his IMDb and I've seen them all. I've, I've seen Twister. Uh, I've seen uh, Late Quartet. You know, shit like that. Yeah. In um, God's pocket. Jacko's Boating. I never saw Jacko's Boating. Oh, dude, Jacko's Boating. Put that at the top of your list, man. I'm I'm dead oh. serious. I mean, for I've one, it's it. you guys. I, I'm telling you, he, he well, he directed it for one, so give him right. credit for that. And he co-stars in it with his best friend, uh, John Ortiz, one of his best friends. And you guys, oh. it's a beautiful. It's a beautiful movie. It's a beautiful movie. I, I right. really recommend if you've not seen it um, to watch it. Like it's 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 really good. I will. I want to see it. And, and the thing about the Bob Batman movie, Matthew McConaughey is in it. It's his first film, and so is Matthew Fox. He plays the fucking asshole. There's all these fresh faces in their first movies in, in Bob Balaban's film. Oh, so. I thought you were talking about, <laughs> okay. which is weird. Now now no, Jack goes voting. Yeah. Uh, okay, real quickly then. I also. Finally, I never seen Days of Thunder. I watched that. Tom Cruise, <laughs> Robert Duvall. It's a NASCAR oh, movie, so I never had an interest yep. in it. Tony yep. Scott, though, it's not good though. Tony it's not Scott. great. It's horrible. It's pretty, pretty lame. And I watched Moonstruck. Now, this is a movie I technically seen when I was a kid, but I hadn't seen it forever. Right. And it's Nick Cage movie. Nick Cage yeah. is so young. It's, this is the same year as Raising Arizona, nineteen eighty-seven, and it's a great movie. It's. Yeah. I was trying. I was going to wonder if it was like an exploitation of Italian culture, but I think it's actually a fairly honest, like, because it's about an Italian community, but some of it seems, I don't have enough experience with, like, up close and personal in Italian communities to know for sure, but it seems like they're trying to genuinely talk about love and this little enclave of their world. I thought it was pretty good. Norman Jewison directed, you know, it's Olympia Dukakis. John John Patrick Shanley's script. Uh, I wish that, that I wish that Cher had acted more. Um, you know, she 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 really is. I mean, she won an Academy Award for that movie and yeah. earned it. I mean, like that was like that was a hell of a performance, and she really. I don't know. I mean, maybe she just doesn't like it. You know, maybe she doesn't like <laughs> acting. I can't imagine that she wasn't offered roles. I, I like know. mermaids. <laughs> and then, lastly, real quick, I watched The Negotiator. Oh fuck! I I had not seen it in forever. That was one I had seen, but I had not seen it forever. I never so. liked that movie. Yeah, oh, my it? God. Is it good? I, I thought it was crap when it came Horrible. out. Horrible. Well, it's directed by you know F. Gary Gray, who yeah. did Friday, which I didn't know that at the time. I just remember knee bomb. Knee bomb! You know, we used to go. <laughs> knee, bomb. The knee bomb jokes. Uh, that was J.T. Walsh's, one of his last movies, so it's nice That's to right. see him. Yeah. Died way too young. 
It's got a killer cast, and it's I know. not bad. It Paul sucks. Giamatti's it's sitting horrible. there, like reputable actor. Paul Giamatti's playing this bit part as like this douche criminal on the floor, and I don't know. It's a yeah. role for him. That's what yeah. like G- like Giamatti did like that same role where he's just like, hey, come on, man, let us go. Huh? What are you doing? Like five <laughs> times in the late nineties. Yeah, that's really good. He was, when he was getting on his feet, that was yep. there was a lot of that. Like, of cuts him. in danger. Get Paul Giamatti in here. Right. And if he, was, <laughs> if he wasn't in danger, he was at least nervous. <laughs> that's oh, a really that good Paul that reminds me, speaking of like tropes and movies, just real quick, when we were talking about I Love You, Man, do you remember that period in movies when like, remember that band Spoon? When like, it seemed like there was like some sort of law was passed in California where a movie was made, like there had to be a, a song featuring the, like a, a band, or, or uh, the, the band Spoon had to be on the soundtrack. Do you remember this? Like, yeah. there ain't no fear for the underdog. That's why you'll never survive. Like every fucking movie for like 10 years. I'm like, why are they shoving? Why are they, excuse me, spoon feeding me spoon? Hey. Anyway. This made me well, uh, th- think of that when I was watching the movie yesterday. That's anyway. fantastic. I mean, Spoon but, was a cool band. They're still. Around. But you remember that, right? Like it, for like a, for a hot second, it was like every fucking movie Spoon was on the soundtrack. I'm just like enough <laughs> with Spoon. Sorry, Spoon. Travis means no harm. He does not. I do. I mean it. I mean harm. <laughs> you, ruined, you ruined my two thousands. Uh, that I always think of a rush when I think of I Love You, Man. But you're right. Spoon is in that movie as well. So. Okay, Cinema Nine Pod, Cinema Nine Pod at ProtonMail.com. Send us an email. We'll talk about film. We'll talk about life. We're down to keep it real as always. But it's time for that main event. It's time for that rare moment in sport where three men sit down with microphones, press play, and they watch 1996's Suburbia. You know, it used to scare me so much that I didn't know what was coming in my life. Mm-hmm. You know, like, like I would always think... Uh, you know, what if I make the wrong move? But maybe there isn't any right move. You know, I mean, look at us. You know, we all dress the same. We all talk the same. We all fuck the same. We all watch the same TV. Nobody's really different, even if they think they're different. Oh boy, look at my tattoo, you know? And see, that's what makes me free because I can do anything I want as long as I don't care about the result. Anything is possible. It is night on planet Earth and I'm alive. And someday I'll be dead. Someday I'll just be bones in a box. But right now I'm not. And anything is possible. And that's why I can go to New York with Suze, because each moment can just be what it is. There's no failure. There's no mistake. I just, I just go there and live there, and what happens, happens. This is a film directed by Richard Linklater, and it's got a cast of some young up-and-comers at the time, Giovanni Ribisi and Nikki Cat, and uh, who else? Oh, of course, Steve Zahn. Rosie? No, no, no. See, I, as soon as she showed Posey. up in this movie, I was like, I wanted to turn it off. I'm like, God damn it. Eric only put, picked this movie because Parker Posey was in it. And it bothered <laughs> right. me. For, but I got over it, and I pressed play again and moved forward. So, Travis. Yeah. Eric said he picked this movie because we watched it a lot back in the day. So do you remember your first viewing? I, I don't remember my first viewing. I don't. I know that this was one that uh, I owned the box copy of. You know, like I, I, I watched it. Often, yeah, it was definitely one that I, I, you know, owned and thought was really great. And 
you know, quoted and all that, like, you know, like, like a lot of the movies that we've done on this podcast. Um, you know, this, that's why I think this was a really good choice uh, for the podcast. Cause it was, it was uh, something that I internalized and, and thought was really uh, important at one point in my life and yet had not revisited in, oof, I mean, 20 years. So, um, so I was really glad to sit down and watch it again. I'm stoked to talk about it. Yeah. Eric Bogosian play originally not even just a screenplay but a play and that made a lot more sense to me now when i learned that because i didn't know that it was a play eric branch if you chose this movie is it possible that you could recall your first viewing yeah jimmy uh friend of the show jim uh, showed it to me of course he had a just cavalcade of box copies in his basement we would watch this quite a bit uh it was you know back when i was like 18 19 like if there were movies about like like anyone older than me that was like in their twenties and they just seemed cool and worth listening to for life advice. So I would check in with this quite a bit and actually kind of quite surprised. It's an Eric Bogosian script. I'd like to probably take a look at the, that actual play because it's, it's for the nineties back then it seemed so contemporary and he got his start a bit earlier. He was been his probably in his early forties by that time. So he was, yeah, I checked. Yeah. Uh, he was he was about 40 or 41 even when he wrote it and uh link later was mid 30s like maybe even okay. late 30, like maybe even pushing mid to late 30s yeah yeah but it's been 25 years he did grow up in society though and lived life so and maybe some things never changed so maybe he just was able to well speaking of which that. i think they did change the uh uh setting from new york to austin but that's oh okay that's about it pretty much yeah, I cannot, I cannot place the first time I watched this. And I'm sure it was at one of like three places: Travis's house, uh, maybe Steve Giles or Jimmy's. And I was, that's about it. That's where I saw all the movies on VHS. Uh, I can't really think. Is there another place I would have been? Maybe at home, but not for suburbia. I don't remember suburbia at home. But I remember, uh, yeah, this was like, whoa, dude, you see, this is intense. And I don't know what I thought about it though back then. I was, I kept spent hours this week trying to recall what was my <laughs> what was I thinking when I saw this movie? What was my connection to it at that age, at sixteen years old? You know, I I don't know, but I know I f it, it felt deep. That was the main thing I think. That yes, I, yes. I, I, like whatever it was, I felt about this movie. To me, it just yep. felt like a deep, kind of thoughtful kind of movie. It wasn't yeah. a comedy. Yeah. yeah. Well, it, yeah, like it had funny, funny moments, right? It's, yeah, it was heavy. We're, we're so used to we're so used to clerks and glory days and mall rats, and this definitely felt so much heavier. That's all I can really remember. Yeah, like I was thinking about like Empire Records and Can't Hardly uh -huh. Wait, and how they would stand uh -huh. against this kind of this movie. Like this movie is like that with all that veneer stripped off, you know. Yeah. Um, but the movie starts right. You get like Town Without Pity, so it's all very like sultry and swaggering and like. <laughs> and you get all these images of just like it's all very bleak but even though they're not like it's like development like constant <laughs> development um but like also just like pawn shops and like you know it, it looks like the, the american yeah. dream gone wrong you know big box oh. stores oh no uh this movie is based <laughs> on the fictional town of burnfield texas which is in part based on woburn massachusetts eric bogosian's hometown so there you go all right my bad uh yeah. Yeah, anybody wanted to anybody know the score on this one? IMDB? Anybody? I actually just looked at it on accident as we as we were talking. I'll guess I'll guess maybe six eight, six nine. I'll guess uh, five point eh, six two. It is a six eight. 
Oh, yeah. You know, okay. all right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I mean, I, I don't know everything. And, you know, Bill O'Reilly <laughs> says, and, you know, uh, as far as Rotten Tomatoes, though, this movie is on Rotten Tomatoes. Now, I, I'm really hoping that we're going to get a Desmond Thompson review, but I don't, I don't see that. <laughs> on the show, yeah. Like 90 <laughs> alternative week. What the fuck's going on here? <laughs> yeah. Uh, 65% from the critics. That's a little. It's yeah. still fresh. Still fresh, technically, yeah. but that's a little lower. And a real tight score between the crowd and the critics. 68% for the audience. So there seems to be a common consensus, regardless if you're a critic or a human being. And as far as reviews, well... Uh, Hang on. Critics are still human beings. Let's Come on. <laughs> uh, Roger Ebert was alive when this movie came out. You know what he said? There I'm comes. a human. He did. Damn it. I'm, I'm a human. Damn, damn you. Damn you. Damn you, too. Their conversation, originally written by Bogosian for a stage play, is talky, but I like that. It doesn't seem too theatrical to me because these characters have absolutely nothing else to do except talk. Okay. That is the premise of the movie. It's about people standing around in a corner talking. (laughs) This is by far the shortest amount of reviews ever there's only two pages and it's really one and a half so uh, not a lot of people yeah. checked in on this with reviews um, i think we're lucky we got a roger ebert review to be honest uh here's a negative one from emmanuellevy.com this brooding comedy fails to blend the sensibilities of two artists director richard linklater and writer eric bogosian which couldn't have been more different the only thing they share together is a concern with youth's discontent Okay, I don't know that much about Eric Bogosian, but uh, I I think historically it's kind of known as a bit of a misfire for Richard Linklater. I don't even think it was released on Blu-ray, and that's saying a lot. Uh, It's just kind of one of these lost Linklater films that no one talks about. And it doesn't really have, while it's talky and has the whole slackers fucking around, it, 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 it doesn't seem that much like uh, a Linklater type of movie in terms of the characters. That's why I'm surprised he didn't do kind of a rewrite or at least even a co-write on this script. I was surprised that it came out after before sunrise. I'm like, it so, seemed like oh, you know what I mean? It seemed like a kind of like a step backward for him in terms of, you know, like before sunrise is like definitely a yeah. turn towards like, I'm a serious filmmaker, yeah. you know, and this seemed more like, yeah, I make movies about kids still. You know? <laughs> it's true. I, my I just learned, I verified something. This, this is something I absolutely thought of when I watched the movie, and I was confident I was right, and it's just been verified. Folks, <laughs> J- Jimmy Takis got his old crow days yeah. from this old fucking crow. movie. He's oh, just is. admitting it right here. I knew it. When I saw there a Nicky Cat buy a, specifically an old crow, I, I thought, Jimmy, that's where he got it from. He had to have got it from there. Oh, and he does. I, I thought he got it from Sean Bateman. So it must have been Sean Bateman and Nikki Cat from <laughs> Suburbia created Jim Takis's old yep. pro days. This is it right here. Jim admits it freely. Thank you, Jim, for sharing this. Well, that really it, he uses a great, um, I like his term, impressionable. So anyone that was 18, 19, 20 at the time is going to get something out of this movie. I'm not sure that's the case if you're 40, but uh, it's definitely an impressionable film. So is yeah. Giovanni Ribisi's dong. That's very impressionable. His whole you know, sack. That mm. that moment 
to let's since we're already talking about his penis, let's go well. ahead and talk about it. Um, the the fact, like as I was watching the movie, not, no, at no point in the movie was I more aware of the fact that this was based on a play than that scene. You know what I mean? Because like, a, here's a big soliloquy where the guy faces the crowd and takes his dong out because he's you know he's like in some sort of art theater. Fucking, I'm like, ugh. It just felt so like, ugh. You know, like, this scene is so unnecessary. Like, there's no point for him to get naked. It was, but like, I, I'm certain theaters, it was all very shocking and like, uh, you know, a much bigger moment. But in the film, it's just kind of like, well, there's his dick, and now he's waving he's at us. He looks so, looks so goofy. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's only two people that were in the play that were in the movie: Steve Zahn and uh, Samaya Shoaib. Shoaib. That's cool. She also. Uh, this is not our first time talking about her. She was also in Requiem for a Dream. She was, right? yes. Yeah, she played the yeah. and uh, she is gorgeous. Just a beautiful woman. Good God, she I, really. Is. I was, I was mesmerized. I'm in a minute. I don't care if that's bad or not. She's a beautiful woman, and she, I love the fact that this is takes place on a corner. I mean, how many different scenes are in this movie? Like settings. You got the corner. You got another parking lot, and you got a limo. <laughs> I mean. The, there's yeah, not. Uh, not much. There's like a you know, there's a scene in the garage. There's a scene in a bedroom. You know, there's very there's, <laughs> there's a few scenes that like clearly when they're on the stage play, they would have just been like no actual set place. You just kind of like you're supposed to infer that you know where they're at because they like dragged a bed out or or yeah. whatever. So who's the most annoying character in this movie? That's I gotta Buff. know this. Buff yeah. is in, intolerable to me. Just insufferable. I cannot handle this character. I can't believe i liked steve zahn after watching this movie um, <laughs> yeah but buff and buff and tim both are the most insufferable uh Nick, nikki cat and, and now i think i actually think nikki cat gives the best performance in this film i think that nikki cat is the most committed to his character and uh, he like i believe his character the most but he's a deplorable human being um he, yes, he's he's a, a, he's, he has no value whatsoever you're right there's nothing right, so, he brings to the table. Which, you know, we, we can have that in film, but like the, the whole, but he's just like, a, he's like one of those classic insecure guys that has to like tear everybody around him down. And that's just like kind of, you know, it's not, it's annoying to watch and listen to. So, so he's annoying, but Buff is more annoying. And interminable. Wow. Like uh, you can, you can give me like Spicoli, who's a buffoon, but he's winsome. He's fun. He's enjoyable to watch. This little asshole Buff. I, I fucking hated every line. And I granted, I've known kids like this. I may even been somewhat like Buff, but I was never mean-spirited, just complete dick. And you don't get anything from his persona. If you're going to have this idiot, have him, you know, maybe offer some advice that he uses to be able to be so lackadaisical as a, as a dickhead. There's nothing. I can't believe it. You guys, nobody's saying Jeff. I mean, Reed Beastie's I hate Jeff, too. Yeah, I hate him, too. But we can go down. We can rank all these characters in terms of how awful they are as human beings. <laughs> I mean, his constant bitching, which is, okay, there's actually some part of it that I admire and I respect. And I can actually see it myself in, like, this uncertainty. He's young and he doesn't know what to do and he's confused and nothing makes sense to him. And he does, he flushes it out so verbally all the yeah. time, though. That's the thing. And it's like, dude. Shut up. When he gets when he gets the trick pulled on him by Nikki Cat's character later in the movie, I, I'm like, yeah, that's who you get, man. You're just so blind. He, he's right about him. Nikki Cat's very he's very clearly right about Jeff's character. He 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 like that's the only thing I can think of of why Tim would tell Jeff that lie would be because he wants him to like to show him that he's gutless. 
we got an echo um to to show him that he's thank you that he's gutless and uh what was the other word i can't remember it was gutless and something and uh yeah and but like that naive gullible all those things but, yeah. yeah gullible that was the other one but that lie it it serves the movie but it doesn't serve tim at all like you know what i mean like it's it's a total third act MacGuffin when things kind of slump and it's like and, and like yeah the audience could be like well maybe tim did kill her i could see that happening but like there really doesn't the only thing I could think of, like the, like the only thing I could think of, was like, well, maybe he would tell him that because then he maybe because then Jeff worries about Tim all night instead of worrying about his girlfriend fucking another guy. But the first thing he does when he shows up is just shit all over him and be like, "You're a fucking fool for caring about me." So like, yes. there's so there's like no purpose whatsoever in the lie, which means like it just seems like it doesn't really serve a function. I don't know. Yeah, dude, I'm with you all the way on this. I. Didn't actually remember it if he killed her or not. Even though I'd seen this movie a long time ago, I couldn't remember. I was like, oh shit, is, is he really dead? Someone, I feel like someone was dead. And that kind of ends up being a reality. Uh, we don't know for sure. It's uh, ambiguous, I think, at the end. He's but. breathing at the end, but that's all we know. Right, yes. It's, it's, it's one of like it's one of like the three, if only I could have been in that writer's room. Not the, I'll scratch that. If only they would have made another decision. If, let's say Tim does end up killing this woman, that gives you so much more to, to be invested in. Cause a lot of this movie reminds me of Saturday night fever. You got a bunch of kids fucking around, but there's consequences to their actions in that particular movie. Someone's life gets lost because of the way they're behaving. Uh, a movie like the outsiders, the, a bunch of rascals fucking around, but somebody loses their life because of the consequences of these people living their lifestyle. It's just like a, a, a way for him to get back at him verbally. It's useless third act bullshit. Now, I, I do think that there's to go back to Buff and compare him to Tim. Um, I do kind of like the fact that there's no redeeming quality to Buff. Like, like you know, like he, he, he doesn't have like a fool's wisdom. He doesn't have like um, like like he's not he's not he, he's not even just like he's not actually like stupid, but simple and sweet. Like he's, he's actually vindictive, like you say. Um Tim is a destructive person in his environment, but Tim knows it. Buff is a destructive person in his environment and just bozos on through life and is rewarded for it. Like ultimately he gets laid, he gets a, a video deal, he gets to take another fucking uh, you know, ride in the limousine and never even hears, doesn't even know what happened with BB. He just fucks her and abandons her and doesn't give a shit at all. So like in some ways, I like that we're not made to like Buff too much because I don't think we're really supposed to. No, we're not. Jeff is right? the guy who gets the time to sit down with uh, Phoebe. BB, what's her name? Phoebe or BB? BB. BB. And then and, he leaves yeah. her. He also leaves yeah. her. Yeah. Yeah, they, and they do a whole drown out part there where he like slow mo's looking back at her and they're like, oh, fuck this. I'm going to go do other shit. When he, she just opened up to him. They, why are they? This is the big thing for me, dude. Why are these guys, why are these people friends? They don't even seem to know anything about each other at okay. all. Or they don't even like any. The, the two that are together, Jeff and uh, what's her face, why are they together? I don't get it. Well, they'd all just met BB that night, which doesn't really make a lot of sense because she seems really close to Suze and like Suze is part of their. Oh, okay. Thing, well, that whatever. one I missed. Yeah, Suze isn't like a, it's like she just shows up that night and she's only the only reason she's hanging out is because she wants to meet Pony. Fuck. Ah, I, okay, well, I'm that makes sorry, sense. man. Fuck. They're, 
Sue's bugs the shit out of me. And there's a special place in hell for anyone that does performance art. But Aww. she has, she has, she, at least she has a message, unlike all these other just. That's her whole point. Poops. At least I stand but, for something. But right. okay, does she? She laughs when they're all fucking making fun of the Pakistani clerk. So she's going to she, talk she, about she, intolerance and not toxicity. And does she laugh because she also describes it as, as a racial incident and calls Jeff out for for letting after it the fact. Yeah, she kind of after she she's signaling. She chuckles. Yes, I yeah. watched it. I see what he's saying and what you're saying, Travis. She's she's doing everything at the easiest convenience for her. Like she, she could have stood right in the middle of the moment when it was happening and said, "Whoa, here's my performance out. I I believe in this." Yeah. Well, but let's she get, waited until after the fact. She let's, lets let's, Pony take advantage of her, which he clearly is. And meanwhile, she's talking about how she's so against uh, the the abuse of uh, you know male dominance over women. It's just bullshit character. Well, I mean, they're all kind of bullshit characters. They're all kind of hypocrites. The least developed one, BB, uh, is probably the most sympathetic. Um, but, you know, let's talk about race because race is a huge part of this movie. And, um, like, clearly, I did, like, I, I will admit, as a 16, 17-year-old watching this movie over and over again, like, I got those jokes. I heard all those jokes. Um, I'm not sure that uh, they, yeah, I don't know what to make of it now. Like the, the racism that's in this film. Um, I kind of like find myself feeling bad for uh, AJ Nadu's character. And uh, you said her name, the woman that plays his wife. Cause part of me is like, man, they, they gotta like sit here and like, and like take this bullshit, you know? And like, and there doesn't really seem to be like a higher purpose served in the film about the racism. I don't think, I mean, you kind of get it with Nikki Katz's character, Tim, at the end. He says, I'm an American. I was owed something. They took it from me. Like, you know, he's got, they've, they've all got this misplaced angst and like this, like this anger about the future that's not taking place the way they thought it would. And like, it's, you know, misdirected at immigrants. Like, so that, but like they could, they probably should have leaned into that more if they were going to do that. Cause instead it just ends up being like this kind of recurring theme in the movie where like, uh, so and so is going on for a while, and then we get like a a joke made about Pakistanis or rice or about you know brown people or whatever. Right. I would have been perfectly happy if this movie twenty minutes in just started centering only on the store clerks and it, it took their narrative from there. Uh, all of these kid dipshits are Americans, but they're the real Americans. They're the hardworking people who just want to get a house, maybe a swimming pool. And they have to look at these fucking morons who take everything for granted. And it's like he says at the end, you, you throw it all, all away. You take everything for granted. Fuck you all. Yeah. And that is what we're supposed to get from it. But I, I do wish it was maybe a little more heavy handed. <laughs> but, <laughs> you he, know, he also when Tim gets gets out of jail and comes back to the corner. And by the way. The time lapse here is like it's morning, but it's still dark. Uh, and like he got out of jail already, he's drinking. I don't. It kind of like confused me a little bit. I'm like, because it started to look like like morning. Like, oh hey, it's dawn in the big shot, the wide like helicopter shot. At any rate, Tim comes back and then he pisses off the store clerk again. And this time they have a showdown with guns. And his character, the clerk, actually stoops to his level. He pulls out the gun and he's ready to go toe to toe with him. And he gets chastised by his wife. For getting on their level, and which that's why I was kind of curious. Well, she brought a gun out herself in the first like ten minutes of the movie, so I never really understood what she's mad right. at him for. Yeah, so that's what I'm. That's why it's so like this is just like a complex mess of 
cluelessness. People uh, acting on raw impulses as opposed to like actually thinking about anything. Even if they sound like they're critically thinking and they're yeah. they have a soliloquy or some deep thought analysis. Or here, I I got it. I got a monologue that's gonna help you understand where I'm really coming from. It's never it's never like that from actually nobody. Yeah, I mean, Jeff in particular is inconsistent. Like, he will literally argue, like, hey, stay here, Suze. This place is great. Then, like, the, the next argument he's having, get the fuck out of this town. This place is a shithole. Like, he's uh. completely inconsistent. <laughs> but I think that's part of the point. Like, it, there's, like, a teenage angst thing going on here. Maybe that's why it spoke to us when it did. Because, like, they they all kind of, like, have, like, you know, like, this message they want to transmit, but they don't really have the message. They just want to transmit it. They want to feel <laughs> important, you know, in that, like in, in having a voice and they talk about it, you know, yeah. but like they, but they really have nothing to say. And that's part of the struggle of the movie of like, it's so hard to be, uh, you know, to, to peak in high school, poor Tim. <laughs> and also mm. real quick, why does every fucking movie ever have to have some famous person in it? I think we've talked about this before, but like, like just some recently famous person or like some fa like, you know, it's like America's obsession with celebrity means that if there's an ensemble movie to make something feel real, we got to throw some famous person into the mix as if any of us fucking know famous people. Absolutely. And Jim is verifying what Eric kind of said about performance art. Jim says the way Suze chooses to behave is why middle America looks at the art community as a bunch of dumb, arrogant bullshit. <laughs> Who's got the dumbest hair in this movie? Speaking of, uh, her, of Suze. Suze. Uh, oh, oh Tim's here. Buff? Tim, yeah, Buff's pretty bad. Like, Suze is an obvious contender, but Tim and Buff are up there. And let's not let Pony off the hook. <laughs> it, Buff, it reminded me of so many people at Heartland, man. Really? Like, he had the he had the sneakers on, and he had the baggy pants, and that hair. It somewhat died a little yep. bit, like yeah. like a fading greenish yep. type. But this guy's not in high school. These people are like twenty two, right? Twenty three. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, real life. Yeah, no kidding. That's. I mean, that I think was is one of the major maybe points. I won't give this movie credit and think that it has much of a point, but I see it as we talk about them just bitching constantly about their own futility and alienation. And Jeff says himself, my duty as a human being is to be pissed off when you're 20, 21, you, you own that as like a rite of passage and you kind of, at least if you're like me and you had it in like an inferiority complex, you, you, you like that about yourself. So it, it almost seems like some of these people just enjoy being dickheads. So who the fuck are we to argue? I do really like um, to go back to Buff and his introduction real quick. I mean, and how he reminds me of people from high school. I mean, not only does he have that fucking hair, the way that he's introduced, like trying to leech weed off somebody while popping a zit working in a pizza parlor. That's Fake so stories like, about sexual conquest. Yeah, that's all super <laughs> believable. And that's and on one hand, this movie's so fucking dated. It's like they just really lean into their times with the KMFDM and that kind of stuff. They really, really fucking lean in. Pennywise in there in the tent yeah, of the music. Yeah, the girl gets boys and uh you know, Ministry. Um they really but 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 also the movie and, and this goes to like Bogosian like writing it at a 40 as a 40 year old, it's pretty timeless. I mean, like this this group of kids hanging out in this corner doing this shit. Cigarettes might not be 250, you know what I mean? Um, but like, there's and they might not have a boom box, they're gonna have something else. But I mean, like, this this is kind of a timeless story. In a Bluetooth, yeah. yeah, yeah, reminds me a little bit of 
uh, American Graffiti, which I enjoy more exponentially, uh, because in that movie, they're so optimistic about the possibilities of life and adulthood. But when you look at kids in the 90s, I mean, they're great. I, what what were our problems in the 90s that were like we were trying to fight for? I mean, what was our like counterculture big deal, like a fucking band breaking up? Like, why are they so pissed off? It's, it's just so fucking jaded. It's not even funny. Jaded. Yeah, well, we're talking about suburbia. It's a movie from 1996. Does it hold up? We're getting close. We're going to find out soon. Maybe it never did. Maybe it always has. You'll find out shortly. Uh the pony, the whole pony bit. What if the whole pony <laughs> bit was not in this movie at all? Could you? Couldn't they have done this movie without Pony showing up? I like Pony. Up this, I, like yeah, pony. I like I like Pony, and I actually like the uh, guy playing him that I've never seen before or since. I dig that it could be real easy to just write it as this dick who comes to town is an asshole to everyone, but he aside His from first the fact bill, that he by the way. Aside from the fact that he doesn't like comp all of his best friends to the show, he's just like, "Hey, did you guys miss it?" Oh, fuck you. Uh, <laughs> he seems pretty chill and cool and willing to, you know. He he doesn't come off as this big prick to me. So he he's not a big prick, but he's totally condescending. I mean, he's like talking to him about like you know songwriting and stuff. You know how it goes. Are you still living at your mom's? Like yes! I mean, like. Like he he's he says like these underhanded kind of comments. And like at one point he's like walking towards the guitar, like oh I I couldn't possibly play. It. And then like oh okay, like he like he's very much eating it up. And like he goes so far as to admit that like part of the reason he's in town is because he's had a thing for Sue's for years, yeah. and now he's in a position where he can woo her and impress her, and he wants to take advantage of that and offer her something, which is like, hey, uh, you can do my album cover, which is like, wow, here's a <laughs> great opportunity, but he's not offering it out of like a place of like, hey, I want to give this talented friend of mine you know, a shot. No. Like, no, <laughs> he's trying to fuck her. It's um, all hateable. Very right. hateable. Right. So, yeah. like, so yeah, I, I don't, like, he's not as bad as he could be, but he also sucks. Everybody sucks. Except for except for the Pakistani couple and BB, in my opinion, uh, Erica's not so bad. I mean, I think Erica sucks. Erica sucks. I mean, she's got the worst taste in men out of any character in film history. <laughs> like Tim comes up and starts negging her, and immediately she's like, "Ooh, I like being negged." Let me show the audience how much negging works. That was so lame and cliche. Like uh, Tim calls out everything about her life except the boo job. You got that wrong. But he nails it, it, it all. I it wasn't, hate yeah, that it was, movie. It was a poor shoot. Yeah, like uh, it was like yeah, I hated that too. And then and then what in blue fuck would this woman see in buff? Nothing. In buff. Nothing. It's un, It's completely unbelievable. That's why Stupid. the MacGuffin story and everything at that act, that so third dumb. act point is so. It just destroys everything. It makes it all convoluted and stupid and like all pointless. If there's actually pointless. any investment into like how these characters felt and yeah. trying to see their way through all of this chaos yeah. it's all gone after that because like oh hey we're trying to fool you it's like they're trying to turn this into a caper 90s style everything has to be a twisted caper even this movie fuck that why yeah and ultimately like you know bb's like you know they they leave bb alone and bb ends up overdose you know, i think she got pills and alcohol so i think she has like a mixed thing that goes on there and so, like, they're trying to tell us something about, like, our self-involvement is going to lead to the people in our lives being left on the wayside or something. But, like, again, like, it, the, the messaging here is is so all over the place that um, I get that there's angst. There's there's some bitter people. Sure. And they, they have missed – they don't know where to put these feelings. And I can understand why that resonated with me as a teenager. <laughs> 
It reminded yeah. me of uh, my yeah. Donnie Quiz Kid Smith from Magnolia. I have so much love to give. I just don't know where to put it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Bob Roger Ebert, God bless, he calls it a, a, a talky script. Yeah, it's talky, but it's a play. these people have nothing to say, in my opinion. Take BB. I mean, I'll, granted, I said I'd watch a movie just about these clerks having to deal with, with these fucking like alley cats living around them nonstop. <laughs> but Tell it from BB's point of view. At least she has an arc worth investing in. You know, I'll, I've worked at a job like I worked in Philly at a beer store for several years, and like I didn't even own it the way that the uh, AJ Nadu's character owns this place. The people that like perch up outside your store and just spend all fucking day there, getting loaded and then stumbling in and like uh, harassing other customers and like wanting to use a bathroom and being rude, like. There's a fucking reason AJ Nidu hates these people. I would I hated those people. <laughs> I didn't, and I didn't even like own my business. It was just having to be around these same loser fucks. So over this is a, this is a thing because I'm watching. I'm like I didn't do this. I I don't really know anyone who just fucking hung around. Yeah. Oh who yeah, that's this? definitely a thing. L- loser fuck alcoholics. I'm not, I'm not. I'm not saying that you know not all alcoholics are loser fucks, but yeah, I mean like yeah. the kind of person that's gonna hang out next to a liquor store all day. Um, probably sucks. Yeah, hanging on the corner, it's a thing. It's always been a thing. Always <laughs> corner, been a thing. The corner, nine times out of ten, involves booze or some substance yeah, of some and type. It's, yeah, and it's not going to involve, like, the coolest people. It is not going to involve... It's these not. people are actually way too... It's only because they're young that it seems like they might be cool, but we all know they're not cool at all because we yeah. watch the movie. Tim <laughs> is, like, out of all of them, like, Tim is already done. Like, his whole life is fucking over. Like, that guy is, like... You know, he's going to jail for the rest of he's in and out of jail for the rest of his life. You know, he probably kills someone eventually or beats someone up and goes to prison. You know what I mean? Like, like, it's just a fucking that's what that's that guy's whole rest of his life. And Jeff is in this place where it's like, do I want this, too? I don't know. <laughs> that's going to go on for a long time. Sorry, <laughs> Jeff. Buzzkill in your 20s. All actually. So all these people are double their age now. They're all grown up. And I'd like to see. Would you be interested in a movie where all of these characters are their current ages in 2021? Would you like to see a film about that? No. Where are all these people now? These characters themselves. No, nobody's interested. Okay. I don't want to see that. Uh, all right. Care. Anything else? Uh, it's time um, to... Uh, yeah. Sonic Youth? I, I never Sonic noticed. Youth. All these years, I somehow never yeah. noticed that they were doing the, the score. That's pretty cool. Youth. They, uh, they're in a few Linklaters, I believe. I think they have a relationship. Um, that I could be um, so I did end up watching. I've never, I'd never seen Slacker. I've always heard about it. it's the one that he, you know, yeah. got some money together and got yeah, in it into Sunday. Blah blah blah. That. I fucking watched it today. Uh, I, I'm sorry. I'm not going to sit here and lie to you. I, I hated it. I, I turned it off. It's just I can't deal with these plotless strolls through mon- mundanity. It's just there's nothing there. Uh, all right. Well, well we I've never seen it. Hmm. I, I, I know what you mean. I've seen it, and I think maybe in the time of place in the early '90s, Austin, and the the way filmmaking was getting more independent in this time in the '90s. I think it was a time and place thing. I really do. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But, th- but what about this movie? It's. I think it's time to make a decision. We got good music. It's got some decent music. It does put us in the oh, '90s, which man. is cool. I'll, I'll give this full marks. It does put us in a time and place, well, and that's dude. what movies are awesome. I always say this. Yeah, but. Michael, unlike, I'm sorry to cut you off, but you, you hinted on something I wanted to get at. 
this does have a fucking great soundtrack from the 90s, okay? But this is one of the only, this is the only like 90s movie that doesn't make me nostalgic for the 90s. In fact, I kind of <laughs> said out loud to myself, fuck, maybe the 90s sucked just because of all of this angst and this just this bullshit. Well, uh, I think go you might it. as well go into it then. It sounds like yeah. you're on your way to a final conclusion. Well, if we're going there, uh, I'll take a shot at it. I mean, I can I can admire that it tried to do something different, okay? Uh, the, the problem with this film is we've got, we've just got a bunch of character. They just loaf around like they're exercising out, outside of like prison cells. They don't have anything interesting to say that is going to stick with you, resonate with you, comment on they're not saying anything about their their status other than that they're pissed off. That may be a comment on the time, but you should at least be able to tell me something uh, uh, insightful about it. They don't. It, it's fucking nonsense. There, there's so many ways that they could improve upon this, and, and they don't. There's no consequences. Uh, uh, the script is it's it's just not that funny. It's a bunch of people fucking around. Characters should not just like mirror you. They should offer an opportunity to give you some kind of insight, offer you uh, some kind of experience that I can learn from. It's just fucking stupid joke. Total bullshit. Doesn't hold up. Hated it. <laughs> wow. Yes, right. sir. Uh, uh, well, you go, Travis. Let's see what you have to say. So, um. I, again, like, I just loved the fuck out of this movie once upon a time. I thought it was so good. Um, and I, and as I said before, I can understand what I got out of it. Like, as an angsty, emotional teenager that, like, had something to say but didn't know how to say it or what it was that I wanted to say. Like, I think that there's reasons why this movie spoke to me. Um, I don't understand... I can't imagine, like, I'm I'm about to be 41, so I'm about the age that Bogosian was when he, when he wrote this. I can't imagine sitting down to write something like this. I just can't imagine, like, being in, like, it's, here's my note. Um, bitter fucking people. This movie is <laughs> masturbation. A grown-up wrote this? That's 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 my notes. Yeah, um, so so yeah. I feel I feel bad. Like I know that people tune like someone tuning into the show, maybe like I never watched you know listened to us before and like, oh I love suburbia. Let's listen to these guys talk about suburbia. They're gonna shit all over suburbia for hours. But like <laughs> like honestly, like it this movie does not hold up. I was uh like it doesn't hold up at all. Like it's 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 bad. It's not just like doesn't hold up, like it I was grateful when it was over. It's a pretty bad movie. Hmm. Well, there you have it, folks. Uh, yeah. Michael? Uh, this yeah. is a movie. Uh, uh, what Bill O'Reilly <laughs> says. Uh, okay. I don't know. This movie is a tough one, man. Because uh, it hold up or not. The question of hold up is a ongoing debate. It evolves every week, you know, and I get confused. Just for you. Just for you, Just for we're, fi we're fine on it. We've been fine on it. I never, uh, never can quite capture its essence. It's always just beyond me. And this film has it's good performances. Performances are solid. They make you hate them at times, and that's good acting. I will give them credit for that. That is, that is them. Well done. And the writing, to a certain extent, is it makes me think about how much I can't stand them. It also makes me think about how this kind of shit is going to go on forever and ever 
these corners, these people. Yeah, you're like you said, things are changing. Technology. Maybe there is more time spent at home now. Maybe this really is the end of a certain area. Maybe it isn't going to be timeless in a certain point. But it still is to me. People don't have enough time because they have so much freedom at a young age where they can just do what they want when they want. So they can also expound upon whatever comes to their mind. And there's that know-it-all righteousness that comes with being somebody in your late teens and early 20s, which is just so, so exhausting to anybody who's already been through it, at least to me. For sure, it's like, good God. Nailed it. Um, And I'll make fun of myself is the same way. If I was like that and I was awful, God, I do not want to hang out with me at 19, 20 years old at all. Sounds like a horrible time. So kudos to the movie for doing that. But, you know, I... I think uh, some of these things still stand, though. Like, the racism, this stuff's still out there. It's not like it went away or not. Nobody said that it did. I know that. Nobody said that. So the fact that people would make fun of somebody for the color of their skin and working a certain job, sure, it's a cliche that, you know, somebody with brown skin is working at a 7-Eleven or convenience store. That seems like a very fucking dated, like, bullshit Apu was, you know, they got rid of all that stuff. That's that's no longer relevant. So that is so bogus and lame. But at the same time, the way people feel about non-whites still very relevant. And I could see these people not even realizing the extent of their actions because they're so clueless. So that kind of sticks with me. I, I think this movie holds up. I think it holds up even though I don't really like it. I do. That's I think it holds up. dumbest thing you've ever said before. <sighs> oh, <laughs> I do. I, I think it holds Michael. up because these awful things exist, and people are going to be annoying for centuries and centuries ahead. And unfortunately, that holds up. That's how I see it. <laughs> I don't want to watch this movie, though. I do not want to watch this movie again. No what, interest in it. What a what a great endorsement. I don't like it. It holds up. You should definitely <laughs> not watch Wait, but that's the thing. Like, does it, doesn't like – just real quick before we move on from the does it hold up segment – Aren't we basically like, as, as I understand the segment, we're looking at movies that we thought were good and are saying, are they still good and worth revisiting? Does it hold up? Is it worth, does it do what it was trying to do? And is it, and is it worth revisiting? Yeah. And we've also looked at a lot like cloud Atlas that I regret to this day saying holds up that we've never seen, but is it still relevant if as a new viewer here in 2021? Yeah, I don't so if think you hadn't seen it. Like, is it is it good? Yeah, yeah. I think this the first premise you said. I I don't know if if it already did hold up or not. I don't know if that's true. If that's how I look at it, I, we're trying to find out does it hold up in the current time and place. That's how I see it. So, yeah, well, like, you stick we're not, to your guns. You bring up good always, points, Michael. I mean, I don't think we always pick up movies that we liked necessarily. I think I picked some movies that I was like just unsure of if they still hold up or not, regardless yeah. of how I felt about them. That's true. I do I mean, do like, that. But at one point, you did think they were good as, as well. It's like, you know, let's. Yeah. Right. That, yeah. I think this movie had something to say back in the day. I definitely did. No argument here. I'll, I'll give you this. At least they were saying it to each other and had interpersonal relationships. This comes out nowadays. It's just all like on Instagram and Twitter. I mean, no one's talking to each other like this, like like we used to back in the day. <laughs> yeah, I, I you did... know. Sorry, go ahead. go ahead. No, please. Um, one last thing about Jeff and his racism. I, I like it when he's called out about, um, about the racial incident and how he's like, oh, no, I would have. I would have stopped it. I would have done something like that, that, that kind of yes. like glib liberal kind of like, well, I, yeah, I, I you know, I, I wouldn't, uh, I'd stop it. I, you know, there, there is some realism to the film and how it depicts racism. That's uncomfortable. 
still doesn't make it for a great watch but uh i'm gonna have no. to you know uh, a friend of the show chris deary just chimed in with a series of question marks uh, i'm assuming at because he's wondering what the fuck does does it hold up mean um <laughs> that's that's yeah, a valid you know, question chris i've had question. movies that i thought that i have said held up on this show that i maybe later regretted i have so i might come to regret this one and that's part of the human experience. We're not robots, right, Travis? We are human beings with We're emotions and feelings and biases and anything's in play. But regardless, you two shut it down so the movie doesn't hold up overall. That's all I care about. So, right? <laughs> so if you had gone before me, you would have said it didn't hold up in the hopes that maybe I would have said it did hold up. You've done it before. Yeah. Yeah, it's he, possible. Done it before. Yeah, it's, it's possible. We we all I've know it. it's possible. I've done it. Yes, it's possible. We've all been there. All right, there it is. Well, this is not a, you know, it's not an exact science. I'll tell you that. It's the Cinema Night Podcast. We're a living human experiment, and every week we're here to try to make the show a little more entertaining and fun. And hopefully, you guys learn something, and hopefully, we provide movies that you like and are not awful like this movie. So, all right. <laughs> Again, I feel really bad. Yeah, so awful it holds up. Uh, <laughs> oh man, nothing makes sense anymore. But uh, uh we got to get to it. I, I, it's time for me to pick next week's movie, I suppose. Um, I've had my list of movies. Hem and haw for a uh, bit. Vamp. Yeah, a, make some words. Sing, yeah. sing a song. Sing Yell a some song quote that comes to your mind that is based on nothing that we're talking about. <sighs> I don't. I don't know what direction to go after this movie. Like, I feel like this movie kind of was. It's not as fun watch and as fun of a watch. So should I go like comedy now? Like, hey, let's have some fun again. Or should we just get more serious? Or Well, I, I already know it's either going to be a Reese Witherspoon film or an Aaron Sorkin <laughs> picture, Mike. I mean, oh, come on. out with it. There's more than that. I'm thinking. More than this. Yeah, more than this. <laughs> Very singy, songy episode that we have going on here. You know what? Now that you're talking about the whole, does it hold up and what does it mean? <laughs> what if I choose a movie that oh, like, I, I like? Yeah, like a fucking year in, and you're like, what does this show mean? What is happening? <laughs> what are what we doing? doing this? Yeah, it's God's love, man. It's God's love. <laughs> um, man, uh, some of these seem kind of trite, though. I feel like I have this list. I'm looking, and like, there's like eight movies here, but they're all kind of like expected, right? Yeah, some of them, some of them might be ball. like, or just get one off the list that you know we're gonna get eventually. You know, we gotta do it at some point. <laughs> True or false? Well, we've not done. We've not done a Tom Hanks movie, have we? Cloud Atlas. Cloud Atlas is the only one. Yeah, we did. He was in it like 20, 20 roles, so I think that covers us for yeah. For a while. Some reason he's so, but he's so like. You can't even tell he's in the movie sometimes, so I guess I forgot about that. All right, I won't do that one. Uh, how about, because uh, I was thinking of that movie. Instead, let's try a movie from 2002, early <laughs> 2000s. Right. Take it back to the aughts. And uh, it's, it's a movie I always liked. I haven't seen it in a while, but I love this film. And it's called The Good Girl. 2002's The Good Girl. Okay. Starring Good Jennifer Girl. Aniston. And Jake Gyllenhaal. John, Jake Gyllenhaal, John C. Riley, uh, Tim Blake Nelson, uh, Zoe Deschanel's in it. So I used to, I was a big fan of this movie. A bit of an indie and, darling when it came out. Yeah, it was a big change for Jennifer Aniston because she had to like do a Texas accent. Yeah, we're going Never back to Texas. Movie. Unfortunately, I'm sorry that we're doing back to back. I just realized we're doing back to back Texas now. Fuck. Oh well. 
Yeah, 2002 is a good girl, but directed by Miguel Arteta. So Never seen it. Great. Cool. All right. Well, then I feel good about this choice now. The I'm good girl. The, good, the girl. good girl. Yeah, I don't know where it is. Hopefully, it's not a problem to find it. So, uh, <laughs> but it's, I mean, it was. It's got a lot of mainstream people in it, so it's not like some no name shit. All right, next week, the good girl. We'll do it live. Does it hold up? What does that mean? Who cares? Everything's superfluous, and one day we will all be dead in the ground or in the ocean. <laughs> ashes to ashes, dust to dust. Am I wrong? <laughs> much optimism we really want to thank you for coming along for this journey on the <laughs> cinema nine podcast we've had a really good time we hope you've had a good time thank you for coming out everybody we we'll did. talk Richard link later some other time we'll talk about holding up time. we'll talk about 90s music <laughs> some other time we'll talk about death, death. probably pretty frequently on this show because mike's a host all right, thanks for joining us. Cinema9pod at protonmail.com. Send us an email. Uh, give us a comment. Date. Give us feedback. What does it mean? Does it hold up? Does it bother you? Do you guys comfortable <laughs> with how we feel about it? Let us know. I'm ready for criticisms and uh, constructive suggestions. That's it. We'll see you guys soon. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>